It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We're so glad that you have come to share with us in the services. And we trust that you've already been blessed by, by being here. But we invite you to take your Bibles today and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm departing from our study in Matthew for just this morning service. We can go back there tonight and pick up. But uh, this is a special time in our, our services here, that of uh, observing the Lord's Supper. Paul gives us some good instruction uh, concerning the Lord's Supper here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And if you're able, would you stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my, in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the privilege just to be in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to share the Word of God. And I know, Lord, that I'm not worthy, but Lord, you have made us worthy through your blood that you have shed for us upon the cross. Help us, Lord, today as we commemorate this wonderful act that you did for us, Lord, in giving your life that we might live. Thank you, Father, and help us, Lord, to observe it in a manner that will be pleasing to you. Father, not according to our customs, not according to our whims, but according to what your word teaches us to do. Father, we pray today if there's one among us that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I earnestly pray that this would be that wonderful time that they would come and surrender their heart and their life to you. Let you come into their life and be Lord and Savior over their life. Thank you, Father, for every person who is gathered here today, for everyone who's listening by other means. Father, we pray that you will be glorified and magnified in each of our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. The Israelites were instructed 
by God to have a holy convocation once a year. And it was done in remembrance of God's delivering them from Egypt. We find this over in the book of Exodus. This was called the Feast of the Passover. It was observed by taking a lamb that was perfect, killing it, and eating it. Then a feast of unleavened bread was kept for seven days. This was a reminder of what God had done for them. But it also served as a visual aid of what Jesus was going to do. It was at the feast of the Passover that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And it too is a visual aid to help us remember three things about Jesus. And Paul spelled these three things out in this passage of Scripture today. And we want to, to look at these and we want to learn from them how that we can observe the Lord's Supper and it bring honor and glory to Him. Verse 24, he talks about, it says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it. The bread is what he's talking about. And said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And notice the phrase here, This do in remembrance of me. I want us to look at these elements today and, and see what it can remind us of. Jesus is the bread of life, according to the Bible. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And this bread, this bread was unleavened bread. And there's a reason for that. Leaven, if you study it out in the Bible, always has some bad connotations to it. And I'm going to share some of them with you today. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, he says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He begins to share with us some things that leaven represents there. Two things that he mentions there are malice and wickedness. These are things that we as God's people, we shouldn't harbor these things in our life. Malice means to be bad, and it's, it's, it's the opposite of excellence. It speaks of depravity, of malignity, of trouble. It's a vicious characteristic when you read it in the Bible. Wickedness is something that talks about plotting sins, of wickedly doing things, of plant, making plans to do things that goes against what God tells us to do. He goes on and tells us in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6, He said, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now the Pharisees and the Sadducees were uh, two of the largest religious groups of Jesus' day. The Pharisees were kind of uh, like the, uh, well, what word am I hunting for here? 
They're, they're more Bible believers. They believe the Scriptures. They tried to stay within the bounds of the Scriptures, whereas the Sadducees believed the opposite. They were kind of the liberals and the conservatives, so to speak, the Pharisees being the conservatives and the Sadducees being the liberals. We'll talk about that just a little bit. And Jesus tells His disciples, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And later on in that same chapter it says in verse 12, Then understood they how that He bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrines of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. In other words, to beware of what they were teaching. And we teach more with our actions than we do with our words. I guess you found that out, haven't you? What were some of their actions? Well, the Bible says in Matthew 22 and verse 23, it says, The same day came to him the Sadducees, now listen, which say there is no resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in spirits. They were more of your, your liberal theology of today that says, well, you know, the Bible doesn't mean a lot. The Sadducees, they say there is no resurrection. There's people today in our churches that are teaching that the resurrection is nothing. But I'll tell you something. It's wonderful. I'm so glad that our Lord Jesus arose from the dead, aren't you? I'm glad that He's given us the hope that we too will arise from the dead. Jesus told the Sadducees in verse 29 of that same chapter, he said unto them, You do err, not knowing, the fair, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. You see, they were ignorant of what the Scriptures taught. They were ignorant concerning the power of God. We live in a day like that today, where that is, is commonly taught in, in our schools and in our places of higher learning, that there is no power of God. I remember hearing a little story one time about a, a professor that every year he would seek to find out who were Christians in his class. And he would try to demean them and tear down their faith and everything that he could do. And on the last day of the last semester that year, that teacher stood before his class and he said, I'm going to challenge you who are Christians today those of you who believe in Jesus Christ. He jumped up on a little table there, and he says, Jesus, if you're real, knock me off of here. Everybody looked around, and he stood there and started grinning and said, See, I told you Jesus is not real. About that time, a big football player walked up and just shut up his fist and knocked him plumb off that table. Professor kind of came to in a few minutes and looked around. And he said, why'd you do that? 
He said, you asked Jesus to knock you off that table, but he was busy, so he sent me. <laughs> Sometimes we need a good awakening like that. Sometimes the Lord has to hit us over the head with things. But Jesus talked about this leaven representing malice and wickedness. It represented hypocrisy. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were more in, involved in the outward appearance of things than they were in being involved in what God's Word says. It talks about skepticism to the supernatural as, as the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in life hereafter. They didn't believe in the devil or in his angels or in God's angels or this, even the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in that. Jesus warned them of another kind of leaven. He charged them in Mark 8, 15. He charged them saying, Take heed, beware of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Now Herod was the king. Herod was a politician. Herod's followers were politicians. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 16 through 21, this is what Jesus said. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, now they're addressing Jesus. Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? We want to get your thoughts on this. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? They're trying to get him involved in a political conversation. Is it lawful to give Caesar, tribute unto Caesar or not? Notice what the Bible says. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. They were doing a wicked thing. They had plotted to do this. They're trying to tear Jesus down. Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt you me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. Or in our money today, it would be, or in their money that day, it was called a half shekel. That was the temple tax. And Jesus said to them, Whose is this image in superscription? There was an image on that coin. There was a superscription on that coin. And they say, Caesar's. Caesar's image on there. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. You see, they were trying to manipulate him through political action. This is leaven. This is what, what happens in our life when we begin to fool around with that kind of stuff. What this world needs today is for God's people 
to get back to studying and teaching and preaching the Word of God. The church should never be involved in preaching politics. I don't know your political leanings and I don't care to know your political leanings. It's the Word of God that does the work. It's the Word of God that we can stand on. It's the Word of God that we can lead people to Jesus Christ through. Unleavened bread. What does it represent? Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. And the latter ver- few verses there. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That unleavened bread, it had no impurities in it. It represented sincerity and truth. The second item that Jesus tells us to remember, look at verse 25. And after the same manner also he took the cup. There was always a cup of wine that was used there in the Passover meal. He took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus said this cup, this cup of wine, it represents my blood, the blood that will be shed for you. It wasn't long after Jesus spoke these words that he was nailed to a cross. It wasn't long until he gave his life there. He shed every drop of blood from his body for us. Hebrews 10, 4 says, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Back in the Old Testament, that high priest would offer up an offering on the day of the Passover. An animal would be killed. Its blood would be sprinkled on the altar to atone for the sins of the people for one year. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that it's impossible. It's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. What takes it away? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We sang that old song lots of times, don't we? It's the blood of the new covenant. There was a covenant that God had made with His people there out in the deserts after they'd come out of Egypt. That He would be with them in that ark that they were making out there. He would be there. and He would travel with them wherever they went. Wherever they took the ark of the covenant, they knew God's presence was there. But you see, it was something that had to be done over and over and over again. The blood only atoned for the sins for one year. The blood of Jesus. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Why? For the remission of sins. 
You see, the blood reveals all the God's requirements to atone for man's sins. That blood, Jesus said, is for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. When you purchase something, that is called redemption in the Word of God. Christ redeemed us from our sins. We're His people because of His redemption in our life. He purchased the church with His own blood. People say, well, the church has lost its value. It's lost its power. It's lost its presence here in the world. I beg your pardon. The church is far more than buildings of bricks and stone. Far more than beautiful stained windows. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the born again, baptized believers who follow Jesus wherever we might be. The church is being greatly persecuted in Ukraine today. And they've begun to scatter. But you watch it. God will use those people in Poland and other countries where they've scattered. God will use them to carry the gospel into those places. You read the book of Acts and you'll find that when the church was under persecution and they scattered, that's when the gospel began to be spread outside of Jerusalem and went into all the world. God has always used persecution to somehow spread the word of God. We've become very comfortable in our world today. We don't face any danger to come to the house of God. We don't face any danger in meeting here to worship the Lord. It's looked on quite favorably here in our world today. But I'll guarantee you it's changing. There's more and more people that would like to see the church destroyed. Satan wants the church to be destroyed. But the church has been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, the Bible says, For as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Your salvation was not paid for with silver and gold. You were not redeemed with things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation re received by tradition from your fathers. Well, what did redeem us? But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. He paid our debt on the cross of Calvary. We're justified through that blood. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Justified. That word means just as if I had never sinned. 
When you come to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, your sins are forgiven. They're taken away. And you stand before the Lord justified, just as if I had never sinned. We're sanctified through this blood. Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We studied that word sanctify. I don't know if it's last Sunday or Sunday before last in, in Sunday school. The basic meaning of that word is that you have been bought and paid for, and you're set apart for God's purposes. That's what sanctified means. You're made holy through that. It's not our holiness that God looks for. God looks for the holiness of His Son in our life. That's sanctification. Being set apart for God's use. The blood is also good for ongoing cleansing. 1 John 1, 7. John said it this way. But if we walk in the light, as He, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Bible scholars tell us that that, that verb there, cleansing, cleanses. It's an ongoing verb. It doesn't stop. It cleanses us from all sin, past, present, and future. Isn't that wonderful? That the blood of Jesus cleanses us of yesterday's sins, of today's sins, of tomorrow's sins. How do we get that blood cleansing us? Just a verse or two after that, the Bible says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess, God forgives. God cleanses. Just that simple. But there's a third thing that verse 26 tells us, that Jesus wants us to remember. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. He's coming back. Do you realize that? Every time that we receive the Lord's Supper, it's giving a picture of something. We show, we demonstrate the Lord's death until He comes. This is to be done all the way up until Jesus comes. And every time that it's done, it reminds us that Jesus is coming back. His coming will be unexpected. Matthew 24, 27 says, For as lightning comes out of the east and shines into the west, even so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You've been outside sometimes. Maybe the sun is shining bright, but all, all of a sudden, 
you see a bolt of lightning come out of the sky and it streaks across and then you'll hear a thunder. The Bible is saying that Jesus' coming is going to be that quick and that unexpected. You didn't expect that bolt of lightning, but it happened. And He's coming back one day when men least suspect it. He's going to come back. What should our attitude be toward His coming? Well, we should have an attitude of readiness. The Bible says, Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be ready. He's coming. At a time when you don't think it's going to happen, He's going to come. Our attitude should be that of blameless living. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. There's that word sanctify again. The very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. He asked us to constantly abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Titus 2.13 tells us, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to share with us some facts concerning not paying attention to the things that the Bible says about the Lord's Supper. Let me just read it to you. We're going to close here. Verse 28, he says, But let a man examine himself. Every person in this building today needs to be examining your own heart and your own life. Let every man examine himself. So that, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Listen, he gives a warning. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily in an unworthy manner eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. It's not to be taken lightly. It's something that is very important. And those who do not discern the Lord's body, notice what it says in verse 30, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. We need to begin judging ourselves even right now. Letting the Holy Spirit of God search out our hearts. If there's unconfessed, unforgiven sin there. We need to get that right with God before we partake of His Supper. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. You see, if we fail to judge ourselves, we turn the judgment over to God. And this is what it says. But when we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord. And the word chastened means to be disciplined. My mom used to do that with a hickory switch. I still remember those days. We are chastened to the Lord. Why? That we should not be condemned with the world. There's a difference between God's people and the world. The world is condemned, going to die without Jesus unless they turn to Him. 
but we're saved. We've been bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will chasten us, but not condemn us. Get that word there. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Brother Ron is going to come with a hymn of invitation. And during this invitation time, I would invite you to meet me here at the altar. Let's make sure our hearts are clean and pure before God, before we partake of this Lord's Supper today. And after the invitation time, we're going to Observe the Lord's Supper. So if you'd like to meet us here at the altar, just come right on right now.